Imagine having collaborated with Barry Manilow for over 50 years on many of the greatest songs ever recorded. Buckle on up as you are about to hear from this musical giant who wrote the book and lyrics to the current Broadway hit musical, Harmony. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast and get ready to be inspired, motivated, and achieve massive success. And now, your host, the Mayor of Motivation, Eli Marcus. Our guests received the 2022 Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Book of a Musical for the Broadway show Harmony. I saw that show and I loved it, and we'll get into that. With Jack Feldman, he co-authored the scores for Ted Talley's Coming Attractions, which got an Outer Critics Circle Award, and Wendy Wasserstein's first musical, Miami, both produced by Andre Bishop at Playwrights Horizons. He also co-authored the score and book for Copacabana, the musical, and Olivier Award nominee. His half-century-long collaboration with this unknown guy by the name of Barry Manilow <laughs> has produced over 200 songs that have been featured in numerous films and have been recorded by an array of artists, earning Grammy Awards and multiple gold and platinum records. Welcome to The Motivation Show, Bruce Sussman. Thank you. Thank you. That was very impressive. Well, I got, you know, it's funny <laughs> is is your uh, bio kind of goes on forever. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. one of those guys that we we can go on for days on your bio. They, they gave us very strict limitations this time for the playbill. <laughs> As they should, right? You know. <laughs> so, you know, the first question that begs Bruce, of course, everybody who's listening to this is going to know the answer to this. But what is it like? collaborating with Barry Manilow, and how did that all unfold? First of all, it's exhausting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I mean that in a very positive way. Barry and I are two Jewish kids from Brooklyn and Queens, respectively. He's from Brooklyn, I'm from Jackson Heights, Queens. And when we hit it off, it was just, we just started, the, the fireworks started happening creatively. And when we get together, it happens fast and it's intense. And there's always a, a moment where one of us will turn to the other, usually Barry to me and say, Bruce, go home because we just <laughs> exhaust each other. Yeah. Uh, but it's good because there's a lot of great stuff that comes from it. Uh, so that's what it's like to work with him. We met 51 years ago. Um, Who's counting, right? Right, who's counting through a um, a singer? Uh, uh, I was uh, I was uh, in graduate school in music at the time. I was at the BMI Music Theater um, workshop, and I was looking for young singers to perform my material. I wasn't going to get Barbara Streisand and Frank Sinatra to do it, so I would go to the open mic nights at the various cabarets around town. Most famously, uh, Reno Sweeney's on 13th Street. They had an open mic night on Mondays, and you or I or anyone could just get up and perform. And there was a guy there who was looking for material, and he had a cassette tape that he handed out to those young writers who might be interested. And he gave me one, and I played it, and he was singing five original songs. He was okay. 
But what really impressed me was the material. It was five original songs that were arranged creatively and beautifully, and the piano playing was spectacular. So I, I called them and I diplomatically said, I don't think you need new material. You already have it. Speaking of which, who wrote it, who's playing piano, and who did the arrangements? He said, it's all one guy. His name is Barry Manilow, and he works in the mailroom at CBS. I said, well... If Barry Manilow, who works on the mailroom at CBS and I, are ever in the same room, would you please introduce me? Five months later, May of 1972, we were in the same room. It was a club on the Upper uh, East Side. uh, I think it was called Upstairs at the Downstairs. It was a um, cabaret. And he kept, the guy came over and said, oh, uh, the guy you wanted to meet is here. His name's Baron Manilow. I said, right, okay. And he introduced us, and we hit it off right away. We started working together within a week. You know, I wasn't planning on asking this question, but that doesn't sound like this uh, sort of just chance meeting. That sounds like oh, no. this is something that was uh, sort of ordained, right? Yeah, when, yeah, when people, <laughs> we have that. And also, when people say, uh, we talk about luck, I heard talent. And I wanted to pursue it. I wanted to find out who's behind all this stuff. Now, it could have been he had collaborators aplenty or he worked by himself or there could have been anything, a number of things that got in the way. But as soon as we met, he liked what I did. I liked what he did. And we started in. So I think it wasn't chance. It was we chose. We chose that outcome. We chose our destiny in that case. Now, that sounds like one, uh, certainly the top principle of success. And speaking of success, you've had a lot of it. You know, is there a secret to your success? You know, what advice would you offer someone else who needs a better roadmap, you know, to reach the same pinnacle of success that you and Barry have? Well, in terms of popular music, when young writers ask me about it, I say, I can't help you because the rules are all different now. Mm. The music industry that I was fortunate enough to benefit from does not exist. Uh, now the way it did then you don't just run over to a dj and hand them the record like like in the old I, days <laughs> which we did you yeah. know we, we, when copacabana when the disco version of copacabana came out and mind you that was his 12th hit record we still went to the big discos in new york and handed it to the dj and asked mm. them to play it so Studio 54 xenon you know yeah, yeah lemouche and, yeah. and all, all those places and we did it uh you know um but to give you an example when um when copacabana was in the top 10 it went gold at number eight on its way up. That meant uh, that little record with the big hole in it on the wall over there. <laughs> and that means it sold a million copies at number eight on its way up to the chart. A few weeks ago, my husband showed me the charts. The number one record sold 20,000 copies. Wow. Copacabana number eight, a million. Number one, 20,000 copies. That's how the music industry has changed. So I, honest to God, don't know what to tell young writers other than, if possible, get interested in writing for films or get interested in writing for the stage because those rules are pretty much the same. It's it's hard uh, and uh, it, it, it's a long shot, but at least those rules are the same. I don't know how a young writer, if they did have success, can make a living the way I made a living in the 1970s and the 1980s. That just doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. I guess you have to uh, be innovative and, and keep taking those yes. shots. I mean, here you, you heard something you liked and you didn't hesitate. You just said, you know, there's only one way to make this happen. Uh, and, ask and, the right questions. 
<laughs> that is, and I think that's true for any field that you're in. If you're if you're a novelist, if you're a short story writer, I mean, any creative field that you're in, I think it's true of all of those things. And I think that is good advice. And I also tell people, hang out with the people who want to do what you want to do, because they will become your network. Mm. I got my first job from a colleague in the BMI workshop who had a day job and he couldn't do it. So he recommended me and I went in for it. It was a title song for a B or C movie uh, that was going to go straight to drive-in theaters. Remember drive-in theaters? <laughs> I and, do remember those. And I got it because he couldn't do it. And he was a friend and he liked what I did and he recommended me. That's your network. And I, I tell people, no matter what the new rules are, hang out with the people who want to do what you want to do, or better still, hang out with the people who are doing what you want to do. And that your network. I like that. So take us back to uh, Bruce Sussman as a young puppy, you know, <laughs> yeah. when did you first get the desire to write uh, score and produce music and, and who and what were your inspirations? You know, I was very, very fortunate as a young writer to be mentored by the best there ever was, Steve Sondheim. Mm. And when I met him, I was a graduate student at uh, in music at uh, New York University. And I planned on teaching because I believed, well, if I tried to write, I would starve to death because that's what happens. Nobody ever really, you know, the very, very few make it of the thousands and thousands who try. And I remember having dinner with Steve one night and he asked me how things were going at NYU and I told him and he said, he said, you know, he said, you'll be a very, very good teacher, but I think it's a wasted opportunity. And I said, what do you mean? He said, why don't you, he said, you clearly have the talent for writing. Why don't you pursue it? And I said to him, because unlike you, you know, you were, you were born into wealth and you had a mentor in Oscar Hammerstein II. I don't have any of those advantages. You know, I have to pay the rent. I have, I was waiting tables on the side. You know, he said, yeah, he said, but you're young enough to make all the mistakes there are, if they indeed are mistakes, and then regroup later on if they were mistakes. He said, so he said, why don't you just pursue the thing you love? Mm, that's so powerful. Pursue the thing you love. And I said, okay. And I did. And that's what happened. And within, I, I don't remember the month, but if that happened in February, I met Barry in May and things started to happen. Now, I still had a nine to five job as a safety, but I was, I was a writer and I was writing and I was getting things recorded and done. So, uh, it, you know, it's the, there's a fellow, uh, Campbell's his last name, I'm blanking on his first name, uh, who says, follow your bliss. And I did. I think it's good advice. Joseph Campbell. Joseph uh, Campbell, follow, yep. Follow your bliss. Yeah, you know, of course, there's all these great books and things out today, you know, like the uh, secret, the law of attraction. It sounds like a lot of law of attraction in your life. You know, here you are uh, in January talking to uh, the great Stephen Sondheim, the greatest of all time. And then uh, a few months later, you're, you're uh, talking to Barry Manilow. That doesn't just happen to everybody's life. So, no, no. but you know, again, I, uh, well, I, I wrote the only, I met Steve because I wrote the only fan letter of my life. And he liked the content of the letter. He, he wrote back. He said, I can tell you're a writer. I wasn't. He said, by the craft in your letter. So, you know, write that letter and, and ask who that person is on the tape. Those are the things that take you down a path. Now, there were many others that I did that dead ended, but these two did not. 
And that letter was on real parchment, wasn't it? Because we didn't have email back then. <laughs> I have I have in my storage closet a box, a treasured box of letters from Stephen Sondheim. I bet you. <laughs> one, one wittier than the next. <laughs> so, uh, Bruce, does writing the uh, book for a show and scoring the music come yeah. naturally to you? You know, what are the easy parts? You know, what are the hard parts? And what does it take to get it all done to your uh, obvious exacting standards? Well, you mentioned in my bio the Copacabana musical. That was hard because there wasn't a lot there. And I, I'm fond of saying that, you know, that, that was a two, full two-act musical that was born of a three-and-a-half-minute song. So we just kept on stretching it. I, I, I'm fond of saying that musical has stretch marks. <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, we just kept on making it. was first a, a 90-minute ca casino show and then a two-act musical. That was a hard one to do because there wasn't a... Uh, a passion uh, for uh, you know what the story was saying. It was just a piece of uh, fluff. It was a it was an ice cream sundae, which is great, and there's plenty of room for that. But it's a hard harder thing to write. This for me, for all the difficulties there have been with harmony getting it mounted, this was a passion project. So I never found it a labor. I always found it a joy, and I always found it satisfying. Uh, again, follow your bliss. This was about something that I care about deeply, and the simple fact that I didn't know who these six guys were. And I said, well, that is the story. I, I, and I felt compelled to tell this story in hopes that I would contribute to their being remembered. And I thought that was a noble goal and a worthy pursuit. Well, let's get a little more into this uh, incredible show, Harmony, so we can draw more of a of a, a storyline for our listeners. And you alluded to the fact that it took a while to get Harmony going. Uh, how long did it take for Harmony to get to Broadway? Why the long and winding road that finally landed the show there? Um, it, uh, in excess of 25 years, it's probably, if you count... Quarter of a century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you count all the time that well, I was actually, you know, there, there were three or four years, as Barry says, we were circling the airport. We were just thinking about the piece, trying to figure out how much of the story we tell. It's a massive story. If you count that, it's closer to 30 years. The reason why it did was that uh, a lot of people don't realize this. When you are fortunate enough to sign with a commercial producer, as long as that producer pays an annual relatively small option payment, they can keep it for as long as three years. If they don't develop it in that three-year period, you're just sitting there waiting, doing nothing. That happened to us four times. Hmm. That's 12 years right there. Uh, four times producers took it and uh, didn't didn't go with it. And in the second or third year, we'd say, well, give it back to us. Don't don't give us the option payment. Give it back to us because there's someone else waiting. Yeah. Oh, no, no, we're going to do what we're going to do it. And the good news was, literally, it happened twice. On the day the option finally expired, there was someone else ready to sign us on to do it again. So there was always interest in the piece. It's just that for whatever reason, producers had, and it's the hardest thing in the world to get a show up. I mean, to raise all of that money and to get a theater and to do all those things. And, and you know, in that regard, I'm forever grateful to Ken Davenport because he did what all others could not do. He raised the money and not only got us a theater, got us one of the jewels in the Schubert crown, the Barrymore. So it, it's hard. There was also a period in there when this, I think the third time that the producers failed to do it, Barry and I just said enough. It's too painful, and we put it in the drawer. 
So there was a time when we weren't actively pursuing getting Harmony up at all. And then I think it was in 2013 or 14, Barry called me up and said, I want to see Harmony again before I die. And I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, he said, the commercial producing thing is, is a bummer. He said, we were so happy in La Jolla when we did the regional, first regional production. And we were, we loved the production. We loved the experience. It was commercially successful. It broke the house record there. He said, why don't we find another regional theater and just do it? And if it moves on, great. And if it doesn't, at least we've seen it again. And we did. Uh, we we found the Alliance Theater and Susan Booth and had a great production there. And again, commercial producers got involved. And for the fourth time, we signed and they didn't do it. And then Ken Davenport, we met Ken Davenport. And that's how we finally got here. Yeah. Well, you know, your show slogan is something I'm going to have to say a little bit slow for people to quite, you know, comprehend. It has a little twist on the words there. It's that Harmony tells the extraordinary true story of the greatest entertainers the world would ever forget. Yeah. So there were six comedian harmonists. What made them so beloved at the time and why were they forgotten so they were beloved. They were beloved because they were entirely unique. I, I, there's ne was never an act like them before, and I don't think there's been an act like them since. They, to put it in modern terms, they took the intricate harmony, in this case, six-part harmony, of a group like Manhattan Transfer and married it to the physical humor of the Marx Brothers, the comedian harmonists. And they skyrocketed to success. They uh, they sold millions of records at the time when the recording industry was in its infancy. Until recently, they had the sales record in France for the most number of records sold by uh, uh, artists. They made 13 movies. They performed with the greats of their day, Marlena Dietrich and Josephine Baker, both of whom are characters in our show. They toured in the greatest concert halls of the world from the Scala to Carnegie Hall. And then in 1933, Hitler comes to power. Some of our group members are Jewish, some are not. What I just described to you is our first act. How they confront their collision course with history is our second act. So what does the musical actually mean to you? And can you tell our listeners exactly your role in the show as the maestro behind the book and lyrics? Not everybody understands that terminology. And also Barry Manilow's uh, role with his original score in the show. Right. Well, the book, uh, uh, you're right. A lot of people don't know what the book is. It's derived from the Italian libretto, which means musical book. It, the, the book is the text. It's the play. It's uh, the structure. It's the thematic material. It's the characters. It's the actual lines. I'm fond of saying that there are two kinds of words in a musical. The words that are sung, I think everybody knows, are lyrics. And the words that are spoken are the book. Uh, but the book is a lot more than that. It's character and theme and structure and all of that. I think it is the most challenging part of constructing a musical. And usually when there's an issue with a show, most people point toward the book since that's the architecture. That's the reason why a, a song isn't sung because Barry said, oh, let's write a great song here. A song is sung because something happened in the book that we want to explore and we want to elevate and climax in a song. Uh, I think it was Leonard Bernstein said, a song happens in a musical when you can no longer speak and dancing happens in a musical when you can no longer sing. 
Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the ideal. I mean, uh, when you, you come to a point, I like to think of the uh, the um, last scene of Act One of Gypsy, where nothing else can happen but for Rose to launch and you'll be swell. It, it, it's, it's, it's like it couldn't go. It, it, she couldn't say anything else. It has to be that. It has mm-hmm. to be a song, you know, a, a, a clarion call that is sung. Uh, so the book writer is responsible for all of that. And then the lyricist is half of the score. A score is composed of two elements, music and lyrics. So um, so two of the three elements were written by me, and Barry wrote the music. Well, I'm going to have to make a confession, Bruce, be, behind this uh, macho man uh, exterior that I may show here. The musical brought some tears to my eyes. Uh-huh. Is that something that you're hearing from other people who have gotten to see the show? And what would you like... Uh, audiences to actually take away from the intended meaning and message of the show. That's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, yes. I don't want to give anything away, but the, the, there is a climactic monologue in our show, which is unusual. Most musicals don't have monologues. They have songs, but at this moment, singing cannot happen. And I won't say why, but there's an extended monologue. Chip Zion delivers it. And no matter the audience, there are some nights people laugh and applaud more than others, but no matter what the audience is at that moment, I know we've got them if it's pin drop silence when he's speaking. Invariably mm-hmm. is. And the only time it's broken is by the sound of people sniffling. One of the actors told me uh, an experience, a veteran actor in our cast who's been in a lot of Broadway shows. He said, I've never taken a bow in a Broadway show where I look out at people screaming and applauding and sobbing all at the same time. He said, it's night after night, good house, bad house, night after night, that's what happens. So now they are the comedian harmonist and our first act is frothy and there's a lot of comedy and there's there's a lot of comic relief in the second act because of their performances. But it does tell a gut-wrenching story. And a lot of people like you have a, have a response to it. What I'd like people to take away is that these six remarkable young men and, the, and their equally uh, extraordinary women in their lives, they set out on a quest for harmony in, what, in the broadest sense of the word, in what turned out to be the most discordant chapter in human history. And... It is a remarkable story, separate from what I wrote. Just the story itself is remarkable. And I believe it's worth bearing witness to that story. And I think they are worth remembering. And that's what I would like people to take away. Yeah, Bruce, you know, it's easy uh, probably on Broadway to take something that's already has a track record, like a Disney, you know, an Aladdin, you know, popular movie. Right, um, or something like that. Yeah, something that's already been done before. To be able to create something absolutely new that nobody's ever seen or heard before. Uh, how do you get the courage? Before <laughs> well, I mean, Ken, I couldn't have made it harder for him. You know, I write a story about people that nobody knows. You know, and uh, and as wonderful as our cast is, you know, it's not starring Zac Efron, and um, it's um, it's you know it's hard. Uh, and we have to, uh, you know, our, our word of mouth is flawless. I, what, I, what people get back to us about this show is great. And hopefully that will keep us going. Uh, but we have none of the advantages of a show that has a big title because it was already a movie or a play or, or something else. Copacabana, everybody knows what that is. 
this is the opposite of that. Mm, exactly. So in closing, you know, what are you most proud of throughout your entire life's scope of work, including the, the show Harmony, if that's, you know, one of the things and, and anything you would change? Harmony is my proudest hour. No question. I'm just so glad that it got mounted. And yeah, this is this is it for me. Uh, I, I think the rest of my career, I'm so grateful for, but Harmony is what it just gets me. You know, it um, it's it still speaks to me. And that's probably why we were able to endure all the years of the struggle getting it up. What I change, I would change that it took 30 years to get it up. You know, uh, I don't know what we could have done that was different. Um, Barry and I relive a couple of moments. Well, you know, that the, that second bunch of producers we had, we kind of knew it day one. Maybe we shouldn't have signed with them. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I, I I don't know. But yeah, the, the process was painful. The result is very gratifying. Well, Bruce, you know, I've been in the uh, theater industry and the marketing side of it for four, five decades now. Uh, I've seen maybe 300 plus shows. And I have to tell you that Harmony is uh, in my top 10 list. And I got to tell you that uh, I, I do want to urge my audience to go out and see it. I'll be seeing a second time, probably a third time very soon. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing all your wisdom and all your hard work and, uh, and all your labor. Well, thank you for this. And thank you for your support and your kind words. It's really, really appreciated. Go out and see Harmony, the yeah. musical. Come, come see us. If you would like to inquire about having Eli motivate your team, speak at your event, or coach you personally for massive success, email themotivationshow at gmail.com. That's themotivationshow at gmail.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.